in today's show. I'm looking back at the 2020-2021 season for the Indiana Pacers. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app now and find one of our Locked On rooms. Locker Room is changing the way that we talk sports. Let's talk sports. Let's talk Indiana Pacers sports, a team that, of course, did not make the playoffs in the play-in game scenario. Um, beat the Hornets, lost to the Wizards. So here they are, back into the NBA draft lottery. And uh, lots of questions at this point. The time of me recording this, Nate Bjorkren remains the head coach. I don't know how long that'll be the case for. And in fact, I am recording this about a week in advance by the time you're listening to it because let's, let's peek behind the curtain. I'm supposed to be, at this current time, away on holidays. Traveling interstate, getting into some warm weather. But of course... A mini COVID outbreak happened here in Melbourne. We are currently, at the time we're recording this, on lockdown. And I don't know if that lockdown will be lifted in time for me to go away. So I am recording in advance in the hope that I'm away. But I could be sitting at home, thumbing my own butt, waiting to be let out of the house so I could go on my holiday when uh, when I'm supposed to be up there already. I know that's all convoluted. It's all time travel stuff. We're all getting back and forth. But anyway, I'm recording this a week in advance when I may not need to record it a week in advance. But here we are. That all leads me to say, I don't know if Nate Bjorkman's going to coach this team. I'd be pretty surprised if he does, given some of the reports that came out and the struggles they had. It wasn't all Bjorkman's fault, obviously. It maybe not, may not have been any of Bjorkman's fault, considering the amount of injuries that they had and uh, disruptions that they had during the season. But uh, things did not go particularly well for this Pacers team. 34 and 38 was their record. It really you know, continued to seem to get worse and worse as the season went on. They were 14th on offense, 13th on defense. They did play, surprisingly, with the fifth highest pace in the NBA. I did not expect that out of this team. Their um, expected win-loss was a little bit higher than what they ended up at. They expected to be a 50-50 team, or a 500 team. I don't know why I call them a 50-50 team, but 500 team. Uh, ended up uh, two games under 500, so not too far off. And they do have currently the 13th pick, along with the 54th and the 60th pick. That 13th pick, you know, the, the odds of that jumping up into the top four are pretty low. In fact, it's about 4.5% chance of that jumping up into the top four, and they are almost definitely going to sit with pick number 13 in this upcoming NBA draft. Let's talk about what their offseason looks like. Free agency, a couple of key rotation pieces, one of them being Timothy John McConnell, who's an unrestricted free agent, and Doug McDirt, who's an unrestricted free agent. McDirt started quite a few games for them this season due to injuries, and McConnell was an absolutely huge, huge part of what they did this year. I would imagine that McConnell, uh, they do bring him back. He is 29, though, but maybe it's a two-year, $20 million deal. Yeah, that's not outrageous. Two million twenty-five million, a two-year twenty-five million dollar, maybe, as a backup point guard. They're not relying upon Sumner or Holiday. I think they will be bringing McConnell back. Um, McDermott, I do think they also bring back. He's also twenty-nine. Maybe he's another twelve million dollar a year player. Maybe he's thirteen million dollar. Probably McConnell's worth more than McDermott. McConnell has his limitations, obviously, as does McDermott. One's defense and one is shooting. I'll get you to figure out which one of those is which. 
But I think they're both key enough pieces that they'll return. Jakar Sampson's an unrestricted free agent. I don't think that he's going to be a high priority. He's 28. He had some moments, um, but nothing to see there. And Kaksha Stanley, it was a late second-round pick. He barely played. He didn't all impress all that much, I didn't think, when he did play. And he's a restricted free agent after a two-way contract and uh, not a guy that I was yeah, extremely high on as a prospect coming in. And nothing that happened in his year dissuaded me from that opinion on, uh, on Cassius Stanley. This episode brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room, it is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. Once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, insiders in real time about your favorite team or favorite sport. Locker Room is the perfect place to start those conversations, and you can find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. There are plenty of locked-on hosts and locked-on rooms right across Locker Room, so download that free Locker Room app. It's currently available on iOS and Android devices. Be sure to create your profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. You will find a ton of incredible rooms on there about your favorite teams, leagues, sports, and I can't wait to see you in there. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room is changing the way that we talk sports. Guys, if you've got the stress of daily life weighing on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, a non-elite athlete, of course, just, just to clarify that uh, on this read, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Giggity! Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. So try Theragun for 30 days, starting only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen Gun, Gen 4, not Gen Gun, Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Okay, Indiana Pacers. DeMontis Sabonis was excellent. There's no denying that. He's just turned 25. He played 62 games. He averaged 36 minutes a game, which is an obvious shit ton. Averaged 20 and 12. Almost seven assists, 1.2 steals and 0.5 blocks. He shot 54 from the field. Unfortunately, he was just 73 from the line, which is uh, not great. It's not terrible. It's not punt worthy at all. And the volume didn't completely take that away. He only hit 0.83s and uh, shot those at 32%. But the strengths are obvious. Big rebounder, great assists, great scoring, great field goal percentage, solid enough steals, which has been a problem uh, for him in the past is those defensive numbers. He actually went from 0.7 steals to 1.2 steals this year, which is in large part how he was able to take himself from being the 43rd ranked player up to being the 18th ranked player and the 10th ranked player in points leagues, averaging 46.5 fantasy points. He also scored more. And the assists jumped up by almost two per game. But that doubling in steals is a big, big help. Um, the free throw stayed about the same. The field goals actually dipped a little bit. He improved his three-point shooting from 25 to 32%. It was still really good. Now, APM was 1.8. That's a pretty solid number. His Raptor was 0.3. That's not particularly good. And he was fourth on this team in LeBron. Again, not particularly good. Yeah, generally considered to be the best player on this team. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis is. He was an all-star again. Unbelievably, though, to me, or in my mind, a negative 5.3 on-off. When he was on the court, the team was two points per 100 possessions worse as well, and then on-off, negative 5.3. That is, that's a concern. Like, why is he so bad in terms of on-off? Like, other starters, Brogdon was a negative 
Levert, negative 3.6. Miles Turner, plus 1.5. So why is Sabonis so much worse? Is it because of the defensive issues? Is it because of the weird combination of him and Miles Turner together, playing him out of position or playing Miles out of position? I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what it is and where where he sits or, or why he why those numbers are the way they are. That you know, we're not worried about the fantasy numbers, but I know that if I was running Indiana and I had to choose between him and Miles Turner, I think the value that Turner brings in that position is probably better than what Sabonis brings. And we can look and go, well, you averaged 20, 12, and 7, Josh. You lost your mind. It's not just about who gets most points, rebounds, and assists. It's how you fit. How you fit with guys around you. Do you defend? Do you protect the rim? Can you switch? Can you hit threes? And Turner does all those things better to me as a center. That's great. Sabonis put up good numbers. But does it actually lead to a great team having a guy in that position with that skill set? You could argue that Nikola Jokic is similar. Jokic is also a much better shooter. Um, and, and a much, yeah, look at just a much better shooter, much better passer. So he's got those things on a higher level with the shooting added in. So I don't know. Sabonis is a guy that confuses me. Like if he's in this same role, like the fantasy numbers will be fine. We worry a little bit about where the steals go. But this guy over the last two months averaged 8.6 assists per game. He was the fifth ranked player. Like they're insane numbers. I, I don't think, you know, assuming this team doesn't blow things up too much, which I don't think they do, I, he's an easy top 20 player, and he might actually jump into the top 12. Like he might, that's, a, that's a possibility. But I'm not sure, not sure long-term, if he is the key to a very, very good team. And then does that reduce his prime of being a guy that just gets the ball given to him as much as he does? and plays as many minutes. And it might, might sound like I'm a hater, but I'm just trying to... You know, when we're talking dynasty, when we're talking long-term value, we can look at the next two years and go, well, shit, he'll be this good. But when he gets to 28, will teams still want to be going, Sabonis is our everything? Is our guy that does everything for us? Does that actually lead to us winning? And you know, I think in a lot of cases, the answer to that, or to me at this point, is no. Could be wrong on that, but I'm, there's just a few things that nag at me about him as a foundational franchise cornerstone piece. Let's talk Miles Turner, who was excellent this season, I thought. Unfortunately, had that injury, which ended his year, the toe injury. He only played 47 games, 31 minutes a night, averaged 33 fantasy points, which is 63rd. Much better category league player than points league player. Only averaged 13 points. One and a half threes, six and a half boards. His fantasy value comes really from one category. And that is, again, we're going to have a concern with him. 3.4 blocks is huge. 78 from the line is fine. 48 from the field is fine. Like they are just absolute average numbers. 34 from three is fine. It's not great. It's not good, actually. It's below average. But that defensive number is fantastic. He finished at the rim pretty well. His true shooting at 60 was good. His EPM at 1.4 was good. He led this team in Raptor because of his defensive ability. He led this team in LeBron because of his defensive ability. He is a very, very good defender. But from a fantasy perspective, he averaged 2.1 blocks last year. His numbers have gone 1.4 blocks, 2.1, 1.8, 2.7, 2.1, 3.4. 1. And as I will continually say, if you average two blocks per game, it is really, really good. Amazingly good. Unbelievably good. Top 95, 95th percentile in terms of where you sit. Like this guy was 99th percentile in the league in terms of block percentage. 
And the year before, he was at 96th percentile. But that means 2.1 blocks. And that's you know, that's how high you are up. But the fantasy impact of that change is gigantic. His fantasy value in the block category doubled this year by going from 2.1 to 3.4 blocks. It doubled. So he goes back to two blocks. He loses 30 spots of ranking points really easily. Like, And that is, that's big. So do you believe that Miles Turner can continue to block three plus shots per game? Moving forward, I don't. He's been inconsistent with that. And if you put the faith in him and pick him in the second round or third round, based solely on blocks, you will be disappointed. And I think his ADP will end up in that top 30, and I think I will avoid it. If he slides to the 50 mark, sure. And you get those blocks, it's a real bonus. But I don't think that we can rely upon that for him. He can still be better. He can play more than 31 minutes a night, and he should. He can still get more of the ball and, and have more usage. And, and on this team with Sabonis and Brogdon and Levert, though, he just doesn't get it. Ideally, he moves to another team, and the game can really explode for him. And he doesn't just rely on that one category. I could see him playing on another team 33 minutes, 15 points, 7 boards, 2.43s. Yeah, two, two blocks. Shoot 49, shoot 80. Usage goes from 16 to 22%. And then you're a constant top 30 player, irrespective of insane block numbers. And that's the thing we need to mention with Miles Turner. The insane block numbers are carrying everything. That is why he is 63rd in points and 28th in category. The blocks don't weigh as much in points league. That's that's where he sort of sits. I think he's in that 50 to 60 zone with that one outlier category. Be very, very careful with overvaluing Miles Turner. Let's talk about Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, Brogo, you're going to be shocked to know this. He was hurt again. 56 games played for Brogdon. He played 35 minutes. He averaged 21 points, which I just never thought he could average 21 points a game. Five boards, six assists. He started out the season averaging like two steals a game. And this is a guy that's never been able to generate those steals. In fact, his last three years have been 0.9, 0.7, 0.6 steals. And he was a guy that I talked about ad nauseum. Well, sell high, sell high. He was a top 20 player. He will not keep these steals up. He will not keep them up was my thought on it. Anyway, his steals to begin the year, two steals, one steals, two steals, zero, three, two, three, three, zero, one, two, three. And they were just, they were fueling him to be a top 20 player. And then I think he had more than one steal in two other games for the rest of the year. Back to normal, average half a steal over the second half of the year. And that value dropped. In fact, Brogdon went to outside the top 70 over the second half of the year despite averaging 21 points, because the steals disappeared. The efficiency wasn't particularly good, and those steals were a real issue. And again, it's one of those things that when he was doing stuff which was completely out of character, um, you needed it to continue. Now, he was still really good. Assist rate, quite high. Free throws, excellent. Doesn't get to the line a huge amount. Shooting was pretty good, 39 from three. Really improved that from last year. True shooting went from 54 to 56, but nowhere near the level that he was in Milwaukee. His advanced numbers are pretty good. His EPM was all right. Defensively, he struggled in his Raptor. His LeBron was a negative there as well. So while he was good, 21, 5, and 6 is pretty good. Um, Again, do you look at a team like the Pacers and say, we want Malcolm Brogdon being a 21-point-per-game player for us to be good, a 26-usage guy? Again, he was a negative in on-off somehow. They don't really have many other options. But Brogdon's 28. I think he can be top 60 again next season. He was 53rd this year, 63rd in points leagues. 
I think he can you know, be top 60 again next year. His uh, ADP was 69th. Giggity. But how many more years do we have of this? Two? Probably. Probably two. And then uh, the usage drops, the scoring drops, maybe the role drops as well. And the injuries start to add up. A bit worried about where he goes from here. Let's talk about Karis Levert, who, of course, was traded from the Brooklyn Nets. ADP was 95th, and which was too high on that team, with the potential of Harden joining them, with Kyrie and Durant there. Levert and Dinwiddie healthy. Levert just was never going to beat that number. Of course, he ended up as the 56th ranked player because we didn't know that he was getting traded to the Indiana Pacers, um, and we didn't know that this role would be here for him. I guess we could have had an expectation that he might be part of the Harden trade, but that, that is hard to draft uh, and expect you know, top 60 production. He averaged 37 fantasy points, 47 games played, played 32 minutes. Of course, he had the horrible cancer diagnosis straight after the trade. Unbelievable for him to come back and end up playing 47 games and playing at this level. Over the last two months, he was the 30th ranked, 29th ranked player. 33 minutes, 23 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds, 1.4 steals, a block a game, and a true shooting of 54%. You know that I've been a big Karis Levert fan for quite a long time. Shooting is a worry. He has never had a season over 55% true shooting. In fact, he's been 53 or under in the last four years. Three-point shooting waxes and wanes. This was his best free throw year, 81%. I'm not sure I buy into that. He'd never been above 72 prior to that. Assists were really strong. Steal rate was good. Best block season of his career. Advanced stats weren't the greatest for Levert. Ninth in Raptor on this team at negative 0.1. His LeBron was sort of middle of the pack as well and negative 0.45. His EPM was 71st percentile plus 0.3. It's the shooting that's a worry. Um, but again, we look at the end of the year here. Where does he fit when, say, Tony Warren returns? Because Levert had a 29% usage this season, which was up at 30% over the last month of the year. So Brogdon, Warren, Sabonis, where where does he fit? He's amazing to average five assists per game with Sabonis and Brogdon around. Warren's just not going to get assists. Turner won't get him. There's a, there's a lot of fit issues that I'm still not 100% certain on, and I have skepticism about Levert maintaining this level of free throw shooting, which has been one of his real issues in the past. And if he maintains it, look, he's going to get drafted in the top 70 without doubt. And I don't think that's an outrageous spot to draft him or to expect him to finish. He's going to be 27 by the time next season starts. So still, you know, basically at his prime. But there is still concerns about how he fits with this squad, where he fits and how it all works together and whether that shooting improvement actually remains real for him because I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not certain that it does. Now, he, he, I would love for Karis LeVert to... You know, I love him as a player. I'd love him to you know, maintain this and be able to lead these paces into the playoffs. And with Locked On NBA, right across the Locked On NBA network, we are covering the playoffs. Road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage, is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. At 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Locked On is proud to present Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. I don't know why I said locked on. I was looking at the wrong words. But anyway, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. You know it. It tastes like a candy bar, but it's not just a delicious treat, which it is. It is healthy because these bars are low protein. So I try again. They're high protein, low fat, low sugar, low calorie, but very, very delicious. Nine delicious flavors, including coconut, cherry, raspberry. I had my raspberry bar this morning, actually. Salted caramel 
and the mix box. 18 bars, nine flavors, two of each flavor. Try them all. Most of these flavors are 17 grams of protein with 130 calories and just four grams of sugar. So go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. The promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Next player, Timothy John McConnell. An absolute explosion. 69 games, 26 minutes. He's 29 years of age, free agent, as I mentioned. He averaged 8.6 points and somehow was the 66th ranked player this year. Now, in points leagues, he's not as good. He averaged 28. That was the 100th best player. He wasn't drafted, but he's one of the best waiver wire pickups of the year. Why? Assists and steals. That is it. 1.9 steals. Actually, that's not true. 1.9 steals, 6.6 assists. Great, great numbers. He also was a 56% shooter from the field. Now, don't get it confused. He's not a shooter. He he, is, he cannot hit threes. He was at 31% and he doesn't take them at all. But his finishing numbers and his overall field goal percentage was really, really impressive. On twos, he was at 59%. He only took 10% of his shots at three. He was a 58 true shooting, which is a bit above league average. The scoring was bad. The threes were bad. The rebounds were below average. But great assists, great steals, great field goal percentage. And that provided really strong value for TJ McConnell. His EPM was a plus 0.8, by far the best of his career. True shooting was the best of his career. The thing that I worry about here is he hit mid-rangers at 56%. That is in the 98th percentile. There is almost no way, and it wasn't a low volume, there's almost no way that that is able to continue. He took 4.4 attempts per 75 possessions at in the mid-range, which is quite high. Um, and a lot of those were uh, self-created. I don't really buy. Yeah, I don't really buy that he's going to be able to maintain that level. He was great this year. There is absolutely no denying how good TJ McConnell was. His LeBron was a point seven, good defensively, good offensively. His Raptor was fourth or third on the team at a plus two point three positives on both ends. You want to bring him back to be that backup point guard. Would I draft him for fantasy next year? Assists and steals is a 90th, 100th pick. I can see that being the case. Do I buy into the magical shooting improvement? Nah, I don't. So I'm not looking at it going, well, he's going to not hurt my field goals because there's a chance he goes back to 48, 49% overall. And while that's not hurting, it's not helping. But it's all about assists. It's all about steals. Now, and much like Miles Turner, 1.9 steals is a huge, huge number. That is, we're talking, yeah, upper, absolute upper echelon, 99th percentile in the league. Last year, he was 81st, 95th, 91st, 97th. So he's had some good numbers, but this is a career number. So at 3.3% steal percentage, if it goes back to 2 where it was last year or 2.5 where it was the year before, 30 ranking spots are cut like that. So that's why we look at him as being the 66th ranked player. We don't don't look at him as that value at all. Not not in the slightest. I, I don't anyway. And if Levert, Warren, Brogdon, Turner, Sabonis are all healthy, Justin Holiday's still around, O'Shea Brissett's in the rotation, does he play 26 minutes or does he go back to 23 minutes? Bit of bust potential, I reckon, coming from Teach for next season. Maybe I'm wrong. Justin Holiday. Actually, no, we're not talking Justin Holiday. What the hell am I talking about? Oh, I'm a long way away from Justin. Let's talk O'Shea Brissett. 21 games, 25 minutes. A real uh, revelation at the end of the year. Again, no Turner, no Warren. Brogdon was injured. Sabonis was out a lot of this time, and Brissett took advantage. He played well. 
True shooting of 64% is great. 42% three-point shooting. Now that's you know, contrasting the 20% he shot last year. Block rate went from 0.7% to 2.9%. That is an insane improvement. And he did that by playing a lot of small ball center and a lot of power forward. But if Turner and Sabonis are healthy and Warren and McDermott are around, how much power forward is he playing? His best category was blocks, one per game. He ended up 118th in category leagues in 25 minutes a night and was bet much better than that at times. Usage is low. Are the blocks real? I would say not to that level. Could he be a 0.6 blocks per game player? Does he have a rotation role? Yeah, he's only 20, He's only 23. I would have to think he's got some sort of rotation role in this squad. His Raptor was great, plus 1.3. Offensively, he did pretty well. Defensively, he was pretty good as well. There is a definite role, and I think that if they yeah, do move on from Doug McDermott, obviously, Brissett's not the same player, but a nice backup 3-4 who can play 23 minutes a night and be useful enough, but I don't think he's going to be that top 120 player that we rely upon for standard legs or draft, really. It was great, but I'm not sure it's real. Jeremy Lamb came back from a devastating knee injury. It was great to see him back. Played 36 games and missed the end of the season with more problems in that knee. Lamb is 29. He only played 21 minutes a game. And you look at this and you go, well, how the hell is the 134th ranked player? He actually beat his ADP on a per-game basis. Now, you shouldn't have drafted him. And you know, there was a time when he was rolling with top 100 numbers somehow. How was that happening? I'll tell you how it was happening. He was shooting 95% from the free throw line. That's it. That's how it was happening. He got 0.9 steals, which is right. He hit 1.43s and did that at a high rate. But it's the free throw shooting. That's that's where the value came from Jeremy Lamb, is he just didn't miss free throws. His advanced numbers aren't particularly good. His true shooting was good because he didn't miss free throws. His steal rate was pretty solid. He blocked shots all right. But is Jeremy Lamb going on this team again with Brogdon, Levert, McConnell, Warren, Holiday, Holiday? Potential top 12 pick or definite top 12 pick or top 13 pick? Does he have a role at age 29? I don't think so. I don't really think that we look at him and go, well, he's one year removed from knee injury. Jeremy Lamb's going to be back. Jeremy Lamb being back, is that actually good? Like, How good is he best case scenario when he's the seventh best player on this team? Sabonis Turner, Brogdon, Levert, McConnell, they're all better than him. Warren, they're all better than him. I don't I don't really see it for him. The knee injury probably has ruined his chance of being an NBA starter in the future. He can be an adequate fill-in at times, but the fact that he had the knee injury, came back, had some struggles, and then didn't play the end of the year because of the knee, it's a huge, huge concern for me as to where he goes from here. Justin Holiday started, was benched towards the end. 32 years of age, Juzzer is, 30 minutes per game. Um, he's got two more years left at $12 million. He averaged 10 points, two and a half threes, one steal, 41 and 79. And the value for Justin Holiday comes from hitting threes. Points leagues, he's not very good. Category leagues, 143rd. And that value continued to tumble as the season went on. Will not be a starter next season unless you know, changes happen. Because again, Brogdon, Warren, Levert, there you one, two, and three. Turner, Sabonis, there's your four and the five. He's not getting a look in into that group. I, I wouldn't have thought. 32 years of age. Three-point shooting, really good. 38% this year, 40% last year. Not really a playmaker. Steal rate dropped off considerably. And at his age, 
He's probably best suited to being more of a th- backup three. Maybe a backup two. He can be a, a solid enough rotation guy, but those 30 minutes a game will probably fall off. 2.43, sure, he can do that. Maybe 2.2, 2.1 threes. But the 30 minutes will come down to like 26, I would imagine, if this team is fully healthy. And I think this might be the last time that we really talk about Justin Holiday, even in 12-team league discussions. Doug McDermott had some, yeah, probably his best season almost at times, 64 true shooting. This guy's been 63 or over in true shooting three years in a row. He's a very good shooter. He finishes at the rim at a high level. Really good. Mid-range shooting is all right. Three-point shooting is excellent. In fact, this year he was at 39%. It was the first time in the last four years that he's been under 40. He hits his free throws. Unfortunately, he does nothing else. He doesn't get assists. He doesn't get rebounds. He gets no steals and no blocks whatsoever. He was a negative 1.5 EPM because he cannot defend. His uh, Raptor was horrendous, negative three, because he can't defend. His LeBron was negative because he can't defend. McDermott is 29 years of age. The 14 points is great with 1.73s on 53%. So true shooting 64 is great, 63.5. 53 from the field, 64 on his twos, 39 on his threes. These are great, great numbers. But 207th in category leagues, 208th in points leagues because he does nothing. He can't do anything else apart from score. And even those 24 minutes a night he played this season, it's probably too high and it won't be that high next year. Let's look at Tony Warren Jr. And it is hard to grasp too much out of Warren, who was, remember, insane for that little stretch in the bubble last year. I think something that does get ignored, though, is that in his time in the bubble, he had that really good run in in the qualifying games. In the playoffs, he wasn't quite as good. He did fall off. But these games this year were shit. They were terrible. 251st ranked player despite being picked at number 60 in drafts. And yes, he had that broken foot that kept him out for the year. He averaged 15 points. He shot 53 and 80, so they're in line. He didn't hit a single three and didn't really take that many. About seven threes across the four games, missed them all. Rebounds were low. Assists were non-existent. Steals weren't there, didn't block a shot. But remember, in the bubble, there was no DeMontis Sabonis. And Brogdon, I'm not sure Brogdon played, or if Brogdon played, he was going half-assed. And now Levert's in the mix. Warren will not be, I don't think, a player that lives up to what he did in the 2020 season or the 1920 season, especially that bubble, because he relies upon getting a decent usage and being a really good scorer with efficiency. And if that usage goes down and some of his rebounding numbers, which did drop off, continue to drop off, I expect the steals to improve because they, they've been consistently better, much better than what they were last year in that minimum area. And I think he's still going to be a draftable guy. But not in the 60s, in the 90s, in the 100s. If he finished outside the top 100, I think that's probably the most realistic expectation for him. And maybe I'm just being too harsh. Problem with my Gogomobile. Gogomobile. No, not the dart. Not the dart. The dart. Goga Badadze. 44 games, 13 minutes, averaged 15 fantasy points outside the top 300. In fact, ranked exactly the same on Yahoo points and category leagues. Really good shot blocker. 1.4 blocks in 13 minutes is an insane number. Unfortunately, he shot just 43% from the field, which is a big man, is horrible numbers. 25% from three is horrible. I believe in Goga Badadze. I don't believe on him, in him on this current team because, you know, Turner's the starting center, Sabonis is the backup center, and Goga plays 12 minutes. His free throws are okay. They're not great. Good offensive rebounder. Got some passing ability, some. Great block rate. Good, yeah, decent enough finishing at the rim. 
Advanced stats were okay. They weren't fantastic, but they were okay. In fact, he was fifth on his team in LeBron. That's pretty good. In Raptor, he was in the middle of the pack, like 10th, or sorry, uh, ninth in Raptor on this team, which just marginally below neg- below zero numbers, zero point, uh, negative 0.8, which is a negative 0.4 offensive and defensive. Goga is about to turn 22. It's going to require a trade of him or of a... And I'm really sure Sabonis and him work together. And then they say, well, you could trade Sabonis, but then Turner and him don't work together. He's just a spot where he's in a position. Just think of him like an early career marching Gortat, where he played back up to Dwight Howard and just sat there and sat there and sat there and eventually just got moved on to become a good starter for the Wizards and the Suns, which is what Gortat did. I think that's the same thing for Goga. The path to minutes here is going to require probably both a Sabonis and Turner trade, which is so unlikely it's not realistic. But maybe Goga just gets moved on, moved on to a better team. I'd love to see Goga start for the Raptors. Trade Goga to the Hornets, let him run wild. If he plays 25 minutes a night, he will be a top 100 fantasy player. He's a Jakob Pertl-ish type player who's got more offensive juice and an ability to hit threes, even though those numbers this year weren't particularly encouraging. I'm still buying him from a dynasty perspective. Edmund Sumner played well. Yeah, rookie season was ruined by a knee injury. He is 25. He played 53 games, 16 minutes, seven points, shot 52% overall, which included 40% from three. And one of the worries with uh, Sumner is, uh, can this guy shoot? Well, this year he shot really well. Finished at the rim very well for the second consecutive year. Took his three-pointers from 26 to 40. Now, that's where I have some skepticism. Took his free throws from 50 to 80, 82, some skepticism. Low passing numbers. High turnovers. Good steals. Just a player that I think showed he can be a rotation guy, but not someone where the advanced numbers go, well, someone's got to play Someone's got to play huge amounts of minutes. He's got to be much better. In fact, his Raptor was the worst on the team. When we have Levert, McConnell, Lamb, Holiday, Holiday, Brogdon. I'm not really sure where Sumner fits in. I don't think he has particularly high fantasy upside. Even though he did impress at times this year, I'm not sure that it's one that we need to rely on. Aaron Holiday, very disappointing season from Aaron. He's about to turn 25 in a couple of months. He only played 18 minutes a night. Was usurped by TJ McConnell. Seven points on 39% shooting, including 37% shooting from three. But he just, I felt, took some backward steps. Now, he did play better at times during the year. The advanced stuff was pretty rough, especially offensively. But I think yeah, him holding his own defensively is a big win. Like being an okay defensive player as an undersized point guard is a win. But offensively, he just had a lot of struggles. His assist rate went down. His steal rate was actually pretty solid. Ooh, just bang my microphone. But couldn't finish at the rim. Horrible finishing numbers. Three-point numbers, 37 is fine, but that's just like average. He needs to be much better than that. Do I think that he can be better than this? Yes. And if McConnell leaves, I'd watch that. But even in opportunities when he was given more chances, more minutes, I didn't think that he's a guy that's ever going to have a top 100 sort of season. Amita Bremer is a real player. He played five games, six minutes. I don't think there's anything to look at with him. He's 27 years of age. Just came in with Turner injured and Samson injured towards the end of the year. Nothing to see there. Keelan Martin's a guy that's flashed a little bit. 35 games, nine minutes, average nine fantasy points, shot 90% from the line. He is about to turn 26, though, and there's nothing particularly enticing with uh, with Keelan and his long-term prospects. But offensively, I thought he was okay at times, and at least someone you'd want to bring back to give another opportunity to. I believe he's got a uh, non-guarantee for next season 
as does O'Shea Brissett, by the way. Chakar Sampson, you know, a guy that's moved from a small forward on the tanking process sixes to a backup center. He's 29 years of 28 years of age, played 29 games, 11 minutes, 50% shooting. He can block shots okay. He can be a backup center, but that's really about it. Nothing much to see with him. And then Cassius Stanley played 24 games, four minutes. I don't think that he really should be brought back onto an NBA roster. And the same with Brian Bowen, who barely played this season. Bowen is a guy that was a two-way guy, played here in the NBL uh, instead of college. Um, and yeah, not not someone that I think has any real NBA future, unfortunately, for um, for Brian. Uh, yeah, just not, not an NBA caliber player, I don't believe. All right, so let's talk questions that you guys had for this team. Um, some questions that you guys did have about um, yeah, Bjorkren, if he'll be fired or not, I, I don't know that. I, I do believe that'll be the case. Shaz says, are we able to get a superstar to a small market team? Uh, I, I doubt it. I highly doubt that. Unless the team becomes so, so good, I really don't think that they're an attractive uh, destination. What is the future of the Turner, Sabonis, Bedadze front court? He calls him the dart, which is great. Um, I don't think that is a long-term sustainable combination. Yeah, and I don't see how Badadze combines with either of those two. You think there's got to be moves made there. Is Levert and Brogdon a backcourt good enough to compete in the East? Uh, that is a good backcourt for sure. And getting Warren and Turner back will make them in that playoff or play-in mix again in that 6-9 to nine range. But is it good enough to be top four? No. Native Sun Gardens. Will Justin Holiday be top 150 next season? Almost no chance. I would not be banking on that whatsoever. Brian Pollock says, is TJ McConnell getting three for 36 in free agency? Hey, that's possible, but it will take him to age 32. I'd probably be more likely to go two for 30, two for 24, if I, but rather than have the two years and the, the three years. What's uh, Sabonis's keeper value? What round is too high? Huh. Second round player this year. Probably going to be second round again next year. For talking long-term, I, I again, as I said earlier, I don't think it lasts you know, six, seven years at this level. Maybe two to three, which drops his keeper value. I, I think more third or fourth round is is realistic for him. If Miles Turner is traded, how high will O'Shea Brissett get drafted? Is he a long term big man for the Pacers, or is Goga the guy you want? Now, I think this is important to mention, not to call out this person ask a question. O'Shea Brissett is six foot seven. He is a small forward slash power forward. He is not a center. He played center when he had to. He is not a center. It's not Brissett or Goga because they play together. Brissett is probably best as a small ball four, but he's 6'7". He showed great shot blocking instincts, but Turner being traded means Sabonis goes and plays at the five and Brissett plays more at the four. And it doesn't really... Yeah, I don't look at him as this yeah, unbelievable option. Now, he had some, a really good game in the play-in. And he look, if Turner does get traded and no one else comes back and Brissett is locked into 30 minutes at night, I probably would take him in that 110 range, 100 range. But he is not a center. Um, Tallboy Ghost, would Miles Turner ever have a competent coach? Seems like he's yet to be fully unleashed. I hate the term unleashed. Sorry to view Tallboy Ghost. I hate that term. But I do agree that Turner has been underutilized his whole career. So, um, yeah, it is a worry. I just love to see him play 34 minutes a night and just get, get the ball and just develop him into something good. Uh, he's good now, but just develop that offensive side. And it hasn't been happening. That'll do it for me today. Don't forget, follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. Leave your thumbs up on YouTube. Drop your, notif- drop your comments. Drop the notification bell. Ring the bell. 
Subscribe, share it. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.